Hello, my friends. Brett Patterson coming at you from the financial capital of the West Salt Lake City, Utah. Joined by my partner, the chairman. How you doing, Brett? Big fella. How's it going? I'm fantastic today. Fantastic. And of course, I'm excited for the topic because why would we do a topic that we don't care about? Exactly. We wouldn't. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. The topic today is one that we get, again, quite often from our clients. A question we get quite often from our clients, which is, Brian, when in the world would we ever sell a stock? I, I would think that uh, we don't sell very often. In fact, our, our probably our customers ask, uh, when do you sell? Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of goes in line with, we did a podcast uh, two weeks ago, I believe it was, which which were three main questions that clients have. And one of those was, was a question surrounding the market has rallied really high. When are we going to take profits off the table? Mm-hmm. This falls in line with that. It just digs a little bit deeper, which is there's three reasons why we would sell. I'm going to present them to you, Brian. You tell us what it means. Okay. Okay. The first reason why we would sell a stock in a client's portfolio that we bought would be if we're wrong. Mm-hmm. What does that mean, we're wrong? Uh, it means that... Uh... <laughs> We come to the realization that we're wrong. <laughs> we were we were probably wrong from the very beginning, but we didn't realize it. And that's happened before, um, where we we have an investment and uh, we think it meets our criteria, our, our process, you know, business we understand, durable competitive advantage, good management, and a good price. And uh, we and usually it's uh, the business. It's not so much maybe we didn't understand the business like we thought we did. And that could be the reason. Mm-hmm. Or its competitive advantages could be eroding. Or we thought it had competitive advantages and we realized they're not very strong competitive advantages. And so um, that would be a reason why we sell investment. There's headwinds that we didn't see coming mm-hmm. within the industry that are that are working against that particular business. Yeah, we had a. In fact, we I can think of a specific company. I won't mention its name, but that exact thing happened mm-hmm. where um, we felt like the industry was uh, changing, morphing, getting more competitive, more difficult, and the company had kind of uh, this particular company had diverted the business kind of in a little bit of a different direction, um, and uh, I didn't, I didn't like that i didn't agree with it and uh i think the business became less attractive with less uh, i would say or not as durable competitive advantages as we'd like and so we decided to sell it and this happens we don't get everything right Mm -mm. we do get things wrong in fact in the eight I, i think i've been here eight years and partnered with you at iron gate but in the eight years that I've been here, we've probably sold for this reason four stocks that I can think of mm-hmm. that that we were wrong on, and I can think of them. I can think of those exact those exact <laughs> names because they they are etched in our soul. Yeah, they'll they'll never <laughs> they'll never be <laughs> right because we learn from it, right. and, and you you have to to become a better investor. Mm-hmm. So the first reason why we would sell is because we're wrong about fundamentally about the story about. Some sort of risk that we didn't see about management, about the industry. I mean, uh, yeah, could be a, could be a number of different things, but we're wrong. We we missed it. Mm-hmm. So that's the first reason. The second reason 
is because we like another investment better. Yeah. So what do we mean by this, Brian? So a, a business comes along that uh, we just feel like it represents a better opportunity. You know, that could be um, because of price that, you know, the price might play uh, a role in, in that decision. It could be um, the, we felt like the competitive advantages in this newer investment or other investment is just much more attractive. Uh, maybe the opportunities in this uh, uh, new investment um, look just way more attractive. And uh, and so we just feel like this is going to be a better investment for us moving forward than this than than this other investment. So we, like it, so we like it better. And it could be a number of reasons why. So one example comes to mind, and I'll leave the I'll leave the exact companies out, but I'll I'll talk about what they do. Mm-hmm. We owned a rail, a railroad at one point that we liked. We liked the company. Mm-hmm. We we still like the company. It's a good company. It is a good company. But yeah. in all the stocks, the businesses that we own, uh, that's the one we probably was full valuation, which we'll talk about in a minute. But we also liked a technology company that that we didn't own that was trading it was on sell mm-hmm. and huge competitive advantage and it was just hey we like this technology company better than the rel let's swap the allocation to start building a a position in the technology company right and this technology company was growing revenues at over 15 20% a year the railroad was you know, less than 10. Yep. The valuation on the railroad was pretty rich. The valuation on this technology company was incredibly Dirt cheap. cheap. Dirt cheap. Yep. <laughs> and uh, it was just a slam dunk. I mean, it just made sense. And everybody loved the rail, and nobody loved the technology company. Right. <laughs> and the rail company has done, we've done, looked at it since, good. and it's done okay. It's yeah. done. And that's not surprising. Um that doesn't mean we made a. In fact, we didn't make a mistake. It was actually no. a very good move. Very good move. Very good move because the 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 company we ended up going into did really well, uh, a lot better than the rail. But um, but the rail's done okay. Yep. So if we like another business better than one we currently own, and we need to open up an allocation for the company we like better, then we'll sell one business to buy another. Mm-hmm. Even if we're getting it right. So let me ask let me uh, ask you a question. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Um, why not just keep them both? We could. Yeah, we could. We could reduce the allocation, say in this example, on the rail, and use that reduced allocation to start a position in the technology company, which we do. We do do that. We we do that. Yeah. We reduce allocations on several companies to open up a new business that we 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 haven't owned before. But in this scenario, this technology company was such a no-brainer in our minds that we didn't want to start a position. Mm-hmm. We wanted a full allocation and a pretty significant allocation to this technology company. Yeah, so that's, that's exactly right. And I'm just going to add a little bit of uh, color, not color, but just maybe take us down a different path on this. <laughs> and why don't we own? Fifty companies or three hundred or thirty companies. Oh, or, you're digging a hole, and this, I like it. But I'm—I don't want to go too deep. I into like this, it, but 
you know, we like to concentrate our ideas on our, or concentrate our investments on our best ideas, not our 30th or 50th favorite so, investment. So we own about 12, 12 companies roughly in a portfolio, maybe 12, 15 at one I think, time. I think, well, I think right now we're around 14 or so, yep. 14 or, and I, I would say between, between 12, we've never, I don't think I've, well, maybe early on in, when I started uh, Iron Gate, I Maybe it had twenty uh, companies in our portfolio, but that's uh, I I think that's generally spreading too thin. Um, twenty twenty great ideas uh, are hard to come by. <laughs> they are, yeah. And if it's that great of an idea, to your point, if this rel that we sold is our sixteenth or fifteenth best idea. Out of 15 businesses that we own, and we can now initiate a position in a in a technology company that is our one or two best idea. Like, why wouldn't we put more money in the one or two best idea compared to the 15th right. or 16th? Yeah. So that's yeah, that's why exactly. All right. So the first reason why we would sell something we're wrong. The second reason is we like something better. The third reason has to do with valuations. And if something becomes too expensive, and we kind of mentioned that before, Brian, but I want you to elaborate a little bit more. What do we mean by expensive valuation on the company? So if a, if the price of a business uh, gets to a point where it's forecasted, you know, our calculations of future returns become pretty mediocre or unattractive, then at that point the stock is really trading at a well above fair value. And at that point, it becomes, it's still a good business. It just becomes a mediocre investment. And at that point, we will either sell it or out reallocate some of that money to another investment that we, that we like better. So if we own a business and the price of that business goes up dramatically, which usually occurs when you have a high valuation, mm-hmm. then typically, let's say that business was a 5% allocation to a portfolio. It does really well. It becomes a 10% allocation just because of the growth. Now it's too expensive. All right, let's take that back down to five or maybe down to four or three. Let's not sell it outright, but then let's use that that difference to to reinvest into something cheaper or a new idea, potentially. Yeah, yeah. We, I think that makes sense. Um, if if we decide to sell the business out, I mean, if it gets to a point where the price is completely irrational and and divorced from reality, um, that's that's we could sell the whole the whole investment. Uh, we don't do that very often. No, and generally, don't. markets that doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen at from time to time and in fact there's there's a several stocks that we that we're watching on our watch list that we like the business the underlying business but the price is divorced from reality and i think it it's a great business but not a very good investment at these prices and sometimes that'll happen it doesn't have <laughs> doesn't happen too often and no and, it doesn't and and i can't think of too many times it's happened in our portfolio where the price is so high that we just sell the business outright because it just doesn't make sense. It's divorced from reality. But typically, it, it's a reduction of allocation mm-hmm. and a reallocating of of the funds to a different 
business. Right. So that brings up another question. So those are the reasons why we would sell. But the one thing, and we talked to a client about this today, a really great client that's been with us several years, uh, about when does a, when does an allocation become too large for our portfolio? And, and so I'm going to ask that question. When does a company become too, like, what's too big of an allocation for our portfolio? So it, it depends. Depends on what? Well, it depends on. That's the, not an answer. It depends on the, <laughs> I know. Depends on the business. Um, some businesses I would be uncomfortable with a 10% allocation to a, to that business. Um, other companies I'd be uncomfortable. I'd start getting uncomfortable at a 20% allocation. You know, mm-hmm. at that, but I'd be comfortable with a twenty percent allocation. Yep. And so we have we have different uh, conviction levels with our with our investments. Some some of our businesses we have very high conviction on the business, the quality of the business, the management. It's almost a no brainer to us. It's just it's an incredible business. Yeah. It's it's a, a generational type business, and we we own several of those right now, where it's just. These businesses don't come along very often, and I'm not selling a share, right? I mean, yep. yeah, um, and it and so it has to become a very large allocation or uh, percentage of our portfolio before it just gets too big. But uh, I've heard I've heard Charlie Munger that he says, yeah, all you need is about six investments in your portfolio. That's all you need. So <laughs> I love Charlie. I do too. I love Charlie. So Munger. and that brings up. Apple as a Warren Buffett allocation. They've got one business in Apple that is what percentage of of their entire business? I looked at it actually earlier this week. I think it's about a third, 30% of the overall portfolio is in one stock, Apple. And he's not worried about it. No. In fact, he said he carved it down. It was 43 at one point. He carved it down. And he said that was a mistake. Yep. And, in, and in Charlie said, and Charlie said, "Yep, that was." <laughs> <laughs> he agreed. I don't think Charlie wanted to do it. No, he didn't. Yep. And and Charlie would have liked Buffett to buy Costco, more of Costco, and you know Buffett didn't because of. Yeah, I'm sure Buffett was concerned about price. Costco's never cheap, but. Uh, <laughs> but but that that everything that we're talking about. The underlying kind of reason for us having an allocation, say in a company that we're it's a twenty percent allocation because of growth and it's doing well, the reason why we're okay with that is we don't look at it as a stock. Mm-hmm. We can't look at it as a, as a stock. That's a mistake. How do we view a twenty percent allocation in anything or anything that we buy? It's a business. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> it's an operating business. It's it's a. Uh... You shouldn't think of stocks any differently than the guy, your neighbor that owns, you know, the local grocery store or the gas station on the corner. In fact, we had a guy in our office yesterday that owns 21 restaurants here in the Salt Lake Valley. He's got a great business. He's a he's a good businessman. He's done incredibly well, and uh, he's a business owner. He has, I, I would guess, that 90 percent of his net worth is in at one business business one business and 
If people probably look at that and they don't think that's risky. They don't think that's crazy. They don't think it's crazy. They don't think it's nuts. And if if you and I were having this having a conversation, we're just friends, and 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 you're asking me what I do, and I says, well, I'm a business owner, and I own, you know, 14 uh, businesses, and you know, they're, and and you'd say, I mean, I would imagine if I told you I had 14 businesses, you'd say, wow, 14, that seems like a lot. And, and then I and then later I tell you, well, yeah, they're they're publicly traded stocks. Oh, wow, that's really concentrated. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I just that's how people think. It's our industry unfortunately the finan- the money management financial services industry has promoted the idea that uh you need diversification, you need uh really broad diversification to reduce risk. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and you know they they think I think 50 companies, 100 companies, 500 companies is not enough. And uh, I 100% disagree with that mentality. And it's our industry that that preaches that, unfortunately. And, and it's to create fees and create the the, the look of creating value. Uh, your advi- you're getting value from your advisor because he's telling you that you need You to, own thousands of you, companies. Yeah, you, your risk is really spread, really diversified. And, and if one business is... But our whole process is about reducing risk, and uh, which again is the permanent loss of capital. Permanent loss of capital. The whole process: we great businesses, well managed, good price, the business we understand. All those things is is to avoid or reduce the probability that we lose capital permanently. That's that the whole process is based on that idea of avoiding not not volatility, but actual risk and that's the permanent loss of capital which is why if our conviction level is high on an underlying on a business Mm -hmm. and we have a 10 percent or 12 percent allocation to that business that's typically that conviction level typically has a risk component to it which is when we say it's a no-brainer we're talking about business growth competitive advantage Good management, but we're, and risk good, is also a component and of a, that. And a price, you know, yep. good, and it's a, we bought it at a good price, or it's at a good price. All that's part of it. Yep. I think it's May West. Katie, you have to correct me on this, but uh, I think May West is you can't have too much of a good thing, and uh, that's kind of how we <laughs> think about businesses. Are you sure it wasn't Donnie Osmond? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> that's puppy love. I thought. <laughs> I have no. That's be that's a little before my time. Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Old man. All right, my friends. Thanks for listening today. We hope you learned something on the reasons why we, as portfolio managers, would sell a business for those three reasons. But the underlying, I guess, foundation to that is viewing these stocks that we own as truly businesses that we own, not pieces of paper that fluctuate daily. But actually, we're receiving earnings as business owners from those businesses. Absolutely. Yep. Great. All right. With that, until next time. Thanks, everybody. This is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized financial advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's financial situation is unique, and the topics discussed on this broadcast should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized advice.
Specific financial securities discussed are not intended to address any listener's particular financial situation and should not be considered recommendations. This is for educational purposes only. For more information, please contact Iron Gate Global Advisors at info at or by calling 888-591-0334.